Hi guys, you're listening to the Clean Fashion Podcast, hosted by Kalechi. Where we invite the hidden voices that make fashion work. We explore the full fashion supply chain, piecing together concepts and ideas beyond the aesthetics that we see and discovering how multidisciplinary fashion really is by emerging unrelated worlds together. We discuss and uncover the world of the people and processes behind some of the biggest movements in fashion. Some that get attention and others that don't, but should. Each episode explores one of the four topics within the clean fashion cycle, sourcing, making, the media and the afterlife. On today's episode, I, Armina, will be hosting alongside my co-host Rihanna. Hey! We will be talking to Lucy Hall and Jen Sharon, two of the three founders of Lonehood, a peer-to-peer fashion rental app championing inclusive circular fashion. I'll start with that because it's almost historical. So 10 plus years ago, I worked for Moss Bros. And if you're based in the UK, you're probably familiar with it. It's an absolute like high street stalwart and they rent out men's tuxedos and suits that men wear to weddings and that kind of thing. And they've been doing that since like 1894. So like renting clothes is just nothing new. And even like looking back to their archives of their like marketing material, I could see that they used to rent out like prom dresses and debutante ball dresses in like the middle of the last century. And I had uh, like a great aunt who was a milliner. She made hats and I was really aware that they used to you'd rent a hat for a wedding or rent a hat for an occasion. So it's, it's a little bit like it's nothing new. But then I think fast forward and probably Lucy and I became aware that of the return of fashion rental around the same time, like seeing the kind of rent the runway emerging in the States. Yeah, I think it was it was it was very in the outer rim of my remit. It wasn't something that I was thinking of and not something that I'd actually done before. Um, before our third co-founder, Jade, actually came to us with the idea for peer-to-peer rental. Yes, Rent the Runway in the US, I guess we'd heard of it. But yeah, it wasn't something that was really on my radar. But when I heard about it, I was like, oh my God, yes, like sign me up. I guess like you were saying, Jen, it's not something new because we were doing it with our friends. I always rented from my mom or my mates and I've always been borrowing clothes. Um, so in that respect, it wasn't really new. Yeah, that's true. And I haven't much thought about that. There was also the uh, the handbag rental service in Sex and the City back in the uh, early writing days. So yeah, it's sort of popped up and in our uh, sort of pop culture awareness once or twice, but it's been much more recently that it's taken hold. Mm-hmm. And tell us about how you formed Lonehood. I mean, there's three of you. So how did you guys complement each other? What was your backgrounds? So Jade, our third co-founder, was studying at London College of Fashion, doing her master's, um, looking at the future of fashion and, of course, fashion futures. And she kind of came to me first with the idea, saying, oh, my God, peer-to-peer fashion rental. I really see this as being the future of fashion. Like, do you want to come on board? And then we were having drinks with Jen and all kind of chatting about sustainability because it was something we were all passionate about. We'd all worked in the fashion industry for the majority of our careers and really seen how the fashion industry had changed and how detrimental it was to the planet. And it really wasn't sitting right with any of us. We were like, how can we use our skills to actually do good um, in an industry that we actually really love? And yeah, when when this idea came about, we were just like, yeah, we were 
having drinks and going, oh my God, this is amazing. We can do this and we can do that. And it's just like multi-layered, all the, the possibilities that, that is available to us with the circular fashion model. So yeah, it's a, a really exciting time. So how long ago was that? It was kind of pre-pandemic. Okay. We started testing the idea um, of circular fashion with clothes swaps and then the, the pandemic hit. So we spent that time really honing in on our skills and reaching out to different people in the industry to understand um, what massive impact we could have. Um, and Jen and I definitely went on a massive learning curve <laughs> to really understand how to, to form uh, a fashion business. And that's not only like, yes, yes, it's, it's peer to peer fashion rental, but it's also the marketing. It's also building the product. We, we built an app from scratch and we don't have any tech background. So that was a huge learning experience for us. And then all the boring stuff like contracts and trademarks. And we had to build the, the whole business from the ground up. And we yeah. did the majority of it on our own because we did it through the pandemic. I th- yeah, I think we started off the idea like came from the heart big time and we were massively passionate about sustainability and the ethical issues in the fashion industry we quickly learned that to have a sustainable business is having a business and having a tech business that's the thing isn't it Lucy we were like like oh bleep we started a tech (laughs) business we didn't realize we were doing that okay okay to make this work we have to be tech entrepreneurs okay we're women in tech now all right so that's um yeah (laughs) a lot of learning to do you guys are both very passionate about sustainability the ways in which loanhood as an app exists to give other people like people who wouldn't usually have access to like high fashion and that part of the industry that's like very far removed from like you know everyday consumers direct access to it especially through the means of like tech and like having it as a really accessible app for everyone to download I think that's also a very important thing that you guys have brought about yeah I think we've seen through our own journeys into sustainability is at the beginning because you're really in a still in a mindset of buying all the time Mm. it's like well what can I buy instead that's more sustainable like instead of shopping in that shop what else can I buy and through the process of our journeys into sustainability you start to understand that sustainable fashion is more about doing fashion than buying fashion so it is the repair and the care and Mm. it is like the upcycling and it's the swapping so that's a big thing that obviously we've had loads of exposure and experience with now because we've been running swaps while we've been building the app yeah and that's a an act of sustainable fashion that's like circulating the clothes and it doesn't cost you anything to do it you know and it's totally success accessible to like the whole community and even things like when we've had an exhibition on and I've had school children come to the exhibition and they ask the really clever questions and it's like well these are really exciting innovative pieces of clothing but they're really expensive what if you can't afford them and it's like you know what it doesn't matter the main thing is to like look after the things you have and to make them last longer like when your mum tells you off for like sliding on your knees in the playground it's because you know you're ripping holes in your trousers so it's like really accessible to all price points but it's also accessible even for like children to get their head around it's about doing fashion and being part of a fashion rental system especially peer-to-peer where you've got the opportunity to rent out your own things is like doing sustainable fashion not just like buying more and buying like a sustainable alternative yeah and you know how we were just discussing how your clothes get ripped or stained what 
would you say to people who maybe are a bit weary of like say they want to rent their clothes on the app and they don't want to risk their clothes getting damaged how do you guys go about preventing that or what happens when that happens yeah that's a really common question especially because this is a new action that people are doing everyone's just got their head around airbnb just (laughs) and now we're like and you can rent your wardrobes out um so how do we solve those issues well firstly we have insurance so if the item is damaged beyond repair or it's lost in the post then we can cover the cost of replacing that item we then partner with um, an amazing company called the seam which is like the uber for makers and vendors and seamstresses and we really encourage people to to care for their items when they when they rent them but you know accidents happen you might break a zip or you might have a little tear so then you can go to the seam and get that fixed before you give it back to the person that you've rented the item from who we call the loaner we really encourage people to communicate and just be be honest and be truthful everyone understands accidents happen and then for any of those stains we encourage people to clean their clothes how they know best so if it's a high street item that just needs to go in the wash at 30 degrees then you know do that However, if it's a special like dry cleaning item, then we partnered with Oxwash, who is a sustainable you know, closed circle wet cleaning company. And you can just ship your item to them in, in the mail. They use DPD, so it's carbon neutral. And then they bring it back to you. I mean, I just got a delivery back from them today. So it's the first time I've used it from a piece of my own garment. So I'm excited to see. Um, but yeah, that's totally sustainable. We've got something for everybody. I think that's really good. And I think it would put a lot of people's minds at ease to hear that. What about the people who rent their clothes? So the loaners, I think you believe that you call them? Yeah. Is there a vetting process for that to make sure that what they're putting out there is actually of good quality and what you're paying for is what you get? Yeah, we do. So we have um, right now, because we are a small community, we can do the vetting ourselves. So we have a dashboard where we can see whoever the person is. You see their profile picture. You can see the item. You can make sure it matches up with their description and make sure there's nothing Um, untoward happening Mm -hmm. Um, but it's peer-to-peer rental so people can really upload what they want and it's up to the other person the borrower to decide whether they want that item from from the imagery we don't have a review system in place just yet but that's what we're building so you can see firsthand if someone's had a good experience if they say oh I rented the item and it wasn't as described like be wary so Mm -hmm. that should really help with the trust side of things it's also really cool on your Instagram. I noticed that like you have big loaners or like you spotlight lots of big contributors to your platform as well. So I think that's like really encouraging a way in which people can trust the people who lend out clothes on the platform as well. So that's a really smart way to do it. Yeah, I think also through when you see somebody on the Loanhood app, you can probably see them elsewhere. You can probably go like follow them on Instagram or on TikTok yeah. and get an idea of who that person is. Especially, yeah, like you say, somebody who's got a bit of a public persona and they're known within, for example, the sustainability circles and they kind of post and that kind of thing. That helps to build in the trust. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, especially once we've brought in our review system, it's kind of a layering of trust that goes on. So people have reviewed that person, that, that the rental went well. You're also kind of like, oh, actually, I also follow them and watch their stories on Instagram. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel like, Okay, yeah, yeah, I trust in this person. It builds that community and that's what we really want, to find like-minded people, to to build a movement because we all need to move towards sustainable fashion and we want to make that as easy as possible and the more people that are doing it and enjoying it, the more they're going to tell their friends, the more people are going to do it 
the bigger impact that we can have as a community. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about like the impact that influencers have, especially on like small upcoming brands. And I was also kind of wondering, do you feel like it's a big benefit to like have influencers within like the close knit community of like the startup brand? Or do you feel that like in some ways it does contribute to like fast fashion culture because essentially using these people to like follow a trend essentially? I think that's a really interesting point. And actually, we all have a voice and a platform these days. We all have the ability to say something. And then actually, so as an influencer, whether that's actually on social media or just within your friendship group, if people tend to listen to you because you're always the first one with the new app or you're the one that loves fashion the most, whatever it is, even whether that's like, like I say, offline or online, like you've got a responsibility for the things that you kind of that you talk about and you say so as an influencer maybe you became an influencer just because you love style personally and you hadn't actually intended to end up as a kind of like a working content creator but you know whose money are you going to take it's like which brands are you going to support and promote to your own audience so that like we definitely want to work with content creators and influencers because we want real people using the app and and that's a great way also to like reach new a new audience for us and again there's that trust aspect that you mentioned but it's that's almost a question for the content creators themselves do they have a set of like values that they go by when they choose who they will and won't work for or will they do anything for anybody if there's at the end of it? I think for us, we've been pretty straight up from the start is that with anyone that we do work with or bring into our community, it's not just like, oh, here's £500 to post on your Instagram grid. It's like, let's build a relationship. What do you like about the app? Why are you involved in the sustainable fashion movement? How can we create content together? How can we build a relationship? It's not just a transaction it's relationship building and and that's the same for everybody on our platform we talk about our users inverted commas as, as our partners because at the end of the day this is their community it's, it's your fashion rental community it's not just about us making money it's about us changing the way fashion is experienced and consumed and we need partners in that we don't just want users yeah it's very human to do it that way especially because your platform at its essence, is about sharing. Like you want to be smart about who you're sharing with. And I think that's amazing. It's probably not like amazing business, but for us, it's the heart of everything that we do. And yeah. we're all about human connections. And we, we host events so we can meet people and learn from them as well. And it's about a movement, not just a business for us. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of clean fashion, sustainable companies are about that small family kind of feeling. And I think that's really important. And just moving on from that, one of the problems that I think people see with clean fashion is scalability. And considering you're quite a new app, and I believe you're relaunching in June, how do you guys ensure that your the styles on the app are not limited so that everyone has something there for them? We are not choosing the clothes that go onto Lonehood. We're not curating it or dictating what the style is. We're not an inventory-led app. We're not an inventory-based rental business whereby we go to a wholesaler and then we're limited because we can only pick a number of styles in a number of sizes 
This is peer-to-peer or people-to-people. So if you're on the app, it's your and you upload your clothes, it's your size and it's your style. So to that end, it's the range of sizes that could be available from day one. It is unlimited by us. So we're definitely also like, you know, making a real effort to kind of reach out to people, especially to make sure we've got like a size range. We know like in our very early testing, it was like, how come we're coming up like quite small on all the sizes? We need to make an effort to reach out to people who've got a a wider size range. And then the same in terms of style, Lonehood should reflect you and your version of Lonehood will reflect you. So just like in other social apps, you can follow people whose style you like and then your feed will be full of their clothes. So when you go onto uh, Lonehood and look at your feed, it will look quite different to when I go onto it and look at my feed. Oh, there should be something for everyone. But, you know, it should get to that. So when you're on the app, does it suggest things that you might like? So say I rent something that... I don't know, a pair of jeans that I really like, which would the app then suggest other jeans that I might like or similar styles? If you were looking at a, a listing and it was a pair of jeans, as you scroll down, it will all have other items from this loaner. So obviously, if you like their taste, you would probably like the other things I've okay, uploaded. Yeah. And also kind of more from this brand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it does start to push you towards things that we think will be in your style. And then as we develop more features into the app, we can probably like personalise that even further. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that each individual that sells on the app is a brand, um, like you just said. I think that's a nice idea. Yeah, everybody has their own micro business, right, Lucy? That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, you touched on this. You know how essentially because it's your own personal um timeline essentially when you get on the app like and it's meant to be like accessible for all i feel like there's something that can be said about how um culturally sensitive like some access to like certain clothes can be like because like lots of people and lots of cultures have like you know traditional clothing and like i was wondering if either of you have any ideas on to like looking at like how you'd like navigate that or like people's access to traditional culturally closed off things I think that's it's really interesting like when we first started like figuring out what the app would be I don't remember Lucy and we were like looking at like when you were going to filter things and it would be like you know dress trousers jacket and we were like oh but we should have saris and we should have, yeah, everything. have the should... modest we used to look at the modest yeah, all the time because they were great and like all that kind of stuff then we learned like when you build an app you have to start really basic and then build out from there mm-hmm. so um there's definitely as I as I mentioned there's no limit on what fashion you put up there what does the wedding look like to you is it like um are you going to back-to-back Indian weddings have you got a massive Nigerian wedding coming up are you is it like bar mitzvah season all summer long well not all summer they're all year round (laughs) but like you can put those kinds of clothes up on the app there's no issue in that and then obviously as you're like following people whose style you like similar size to you and that kind of thing without us having to like intervene I think you can find those kind of like um the modest dressing and um kind of different <laughs> kilts yeah everything you know there's so much isn't there but it's kind of like it's not you don't need to wait for us to go out and source that because yeah. the loners are putting that up themselves 
One of the main aims of the app, I believe, is to reduce landfill. So, Lucy, I mean, you touched on how people are just getting comfortable with Airbnb. So my question to you is, do you think it's like truly feasible that this will work on a larger scale as a lot of people wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable loaning their clothes? You know, it's, it's such a new industry um, and we are trying to change people's mindsets and behaviours and that is a huge undertaking and something that we don't take lightly. So we do lots of research and we will continue to, to research and learn and how we can do better and make more impact. But how we see it is that we're just a cog in the circular economy. You know, we're giving the, the fashion industry the space that they need to improve their supply chains, to look at their their business models and how they can do better. And if we can give people another viable option to consume fashion in a more sustainable way, that's less impactful on the planet, then we're doing something good. There's lots of different models within the fashion rental business itself. Some of them are more sustainable than others. But I think the main aim that we all have is that to give that space to, to other fashion businesses that are just producing new right now. Um, and we really hope that we, yeah, by giving them that space and other, other viable options, that we can improve the whole fashion industry. Mm. I want to touch on how, you know, having it as an app, like that's kind of like set out sort of like Depop and it's familiar in that sense. And also on your Instagram, like the way you guys post as if it's like, you know, well, it's infographics, but like without the onslaught of content. And I feel like that really works with passing along really important information. And again, like changing behaviours and attitudes, because that's essentially like what you want to do to like improve sustainability and I think that's a really smart way that you guys can contribute to the sustainable conversation and ethical conversation as well. So We're very lucky that Jen is a graphic designer by trade so all of our infographics like amazing. <laughs> We're very much focused on Gen Z and a younger audience. We've done exhibitions with like school children because we understand that to change behaviors, we have to start with education. And for them to understand that like there's this one path you can take for sure, but there's another path. And it's probably a little bit better for the planet, but also, you know, more affordable. With this community, you can actually make money from things that you already own instead of putting that money to big fashion businesses that are creating more and more and more and probably impact things people in faraway countries you can keep that money in your community so we're actually growing our communities we're giving money to people that are local to us and enhancing their lives so that's got to be a bonus I mean we're really passionate about entrepreneurship yeah definitely and it is an interesting one like we have to find the balance between talking about sustainability and and I'm sure you guys all know like actually most of the like facts and figures around sustainable fashion and the impact of fashion on the planet and people it's like really shocking and really really bad and like it's tempting to talk about that stuff all the time because that's the stuff that gets us really upset and angry Mm -hmm. but at the same time like we know that that would pull to us a certain group of people who also feel super motivated by Mm -hmm. that um but it would scare off maybe um other people who just enjoy fashion so we have to find this balance between this it's fun you know what it's fun and you can make some money doing it yeah and we love to bring people in and then gently educate them about sustainability and get them to be accidentally doing sustainable fashion Mm. on like with bigger numbers yeah Uh, but yeah it's it's a balance all the time because sometimes you just want to go out there and be really kind of like 
punchy with but do you know yeah, <laughs> do you yeah. know what it is and other <laughs> times you're like okay don't be that person that scares everyone off so yeah like, find a balance between them so it's found that renting clothing has the highest climate impact of all so the hidden environmental cost was found to be delivery and packaging costs Renting involves a large amount of transportation, taking the clothes back and forth between the warehouse and the renter. Dry cleaning is also harmful to the environment. I think that report probably is the, the one about the genes that came out. It's, it's a really, it's an interesting report. That report is not about peer-to-peer fashion, fashion mm. rentals to start with. Not all rental um, fashion model, business models are the same. So if you are rent the runway in America, they have, I think, the largest dry cleaning facility in the USA. And obviously the United States is enormous. And if you're renting something, maybe even interstate, like it's that's the equivalent of me renting something from Spain and having it delivered to me and mm-hmm. returning it back. So, of course, your logistics distribution is insane. And if it's being dry cleaned between every rental, that's really uh, and and like old school dry cleaning, not not the new kind of ozone and wet washes that we were talking about. There's a really high impact from that point of view. Also, I think there's, there was a, a study done in Europe, and that was and weirdly the case that they used was a pair of jeans, which in some ways is if you bought a pair of jeans, you would probably wear them many many times like over a number of years because jeans are, are kind of quite a cool garment which can start off really smart and end up being the thing you do like painting and decorating in they have a long lifespan but the reality is when you're looking at rental you're probably looking at dresses or like occasion wear or suits that you might buy to wear to a wedding and you've worn it once or twice and then forget it because it's old to you so mm-hmm. it was just, I think that study and those stats are very skewed towards a particular rental model. And um, you need to kind of unpick it a bit and find out like what garment they base that on. Like, what is this distance? And like when you look at Lonehood, for example, we want to encourage rental to happen within neighbourhoods and communities as it grows. Um, and we have an option to pick up and drop off in person. So if you're on a university campus, for example, and you're renting from somebody else on campus, you can literally just go and meet them in the coffee shop. Um, And then there's zero emissions for delivery. Um, And then it's something that's machine washable. So it can go in your wash at like 30 degrees or under. Maybe you've got a guppy bag to put it in to like capture all those microfibers. It's just not the same as a um, inventory based uh rental that's traveling like hundreds of miles back to a warehouse i think also with it's not really realistic in the modern age to just believe that it's possible for everything to have zero impact so i think it's significant to minimize the impact and i think companies like yours that's what they do rather than you know saying it's going to be absolutely zero waste zero pollution i think it's just not very feasible to think like that And when you think of people buying stuff from ASOS, they're buying like multiple pieces to try on at home. Then they send them back Mm -hmm. and those items generally get destroyed. They're never put out on the site again. So people are already doing things when they're buying stuff that are really bad for the environment. It's easy to criticise clean companies, but 
they don't want to take on board the fact that you're actually doing making a better impact and minimizing things. How does your model complement other sustainable models like upcycling and what would you say is the most significant thing? Yeah, so like I said before, we're just part of this big circular fashion cog, you know. Um, so that's why we partner with the, the eco-friendly dry cleaners, um, the seam. And when we host our events, we always have like a repair section and an upcycling workshops. So what we find from a lot of people is that they're like, oh, you know, I haven't got anything that's rentable. I don't think anyone would rent my wardrobe. We're like, upcycle it, add some embellishment, do something with it. It will make it more appealing to other people. And mm-hmm. that, that allows us. So we have this feature on the app called Loan the Look. You can style two or more items together and that allows you to bring in these lower priced high street items. Now we're not, we're not, we don't want to encourage people to consume fast fashion. We want to move away from that. But the reality is that that's what's in a lot of people's wardrobes. And we don't want those items just sat there getting wasted. Yeah. Let's use them until they're completely worn out. So with Lona Look, you can style those items together and that kind of kind of bundles them and adds value to the look. You can run people's style and it gives an, um, an outlet for creativity, which is all about style over trend-led fashion. So things like upcycling and it's all about creativity for us. Mm, yeah. I think, I think when we started Lonehood, I don't mean to say like upcycling wasn't so much of a thing. Like it was a thing, but we started Lonehood before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, like loads of people either – like both like fashion professionals who worked in the industry and not like hobbyists had all this time and they started like making stuff at home and turning that into like a little business of their own and selling things. Um, and it so having and we have uh, people who have those kinds of businesses who make one like one off or small batch pieces and upcycle people's pieces. We have that on the app. And actually, I think rental works really well for them because the amount of effort and time they put in to the garments like they still want to be able to sell it at a price that their friends can buy it at Um, and that's really difficult if they've actually spent hours and hours like sourcing the fabric and stitching it themselves and all the rest of it but rental means they can make repeat income on the same pieces um, and they're going to come back to them so if you've upcycled a, a jacket and you rent it out however many times Like if you start to think, oh, you know, I want to refresh the style or it's getting a bit worn in places, you've got the skills to take that apart and upcycle it again into another piece and put it back on the app um, and have something new to rent out. So it wasn't that we started Lonehood thinking so much about people who who upcycle, but the pandemic sort of introduced that as like a whole like area for Lonehood that I think is quite exciting. Would you say that app is financially inclusive? in terms of I feel like sustainability is often for people who maybe have more money you know things are often more expensive for reasons of course that material costing and processes tend to be more expensive is this something that's only available to people maybe with extra income or is this something for everyone I think we're trying to make it as as close to possible as being available to everyone We've got, for example, I can think of something that was uploaded in the last week. There's a dress that's renting out at £3 for the week. And if you live in the same neighbourhood as that person, and you could do a pick up and drop off. That's pretty accessible, a £3 dress. Mm-hmm. Um, as Lucy mentioned before, we've got Loan the Look, so which can help you to style together different pieces. So if your pieces are less expensive, you can style them together and rent them out for more. 
honestly the most accessible sustainable fashion thing people can do is that care and repair and going to clothes swaps so it's not the the cheapest absolutely 100% easiest access to sustainable fashion it's probably you know it's the step up from that Mm -hmm. um but of course if you're active on both sides so if you're both a loner and a borrower the whole thing can become potentially financially sustainable Mm -hmm. so if you're renting things out you're getting money into your stripe account and then you rent from somebody else you're using the same money so you're just sort of flowing that money around rather than like having to spend out from your wages on fashion yeah that's very true say you really like an item is it possible to purchase it from the loaner not yet no we're very much focused on rental for now okay um and some of the feedback we get from people is they'd like to see resale, but then other feedback is like, if they want resale, they go to a specific resale site, like mm-hmm. a Depop or a Vestia or whatever. Yeah. So we want to really focus on rental and do that really, really well um, and see where it takes us. And um, Lucy, I remember you were discussing how you found a lot of things shocking about the industry. What would you say is the most significant shocking thing that you found out and that made you want to create this app it's just multi-layered isn't it it's so many different things um I remember like one podcast I was listening to by Amy Powney from Mother of Pearl and she was saying how a garment is like the the yarn is spun in one country and then it's um made in another country and then the embellishments are put in a different country and it literally goes through six countries before it gets to us and then it's put on the shelf Someone buys it, wears it once and leaves it in their wardrobe or bins it. And like that was just kind of mind blowing. But yeah, there's, there's so many things. Like one thing that Jen used to say was like, we've got enough clothes in circulation to clothe the next six generations. It's like, we've got so much stuff already, guys. We don't need to be producing anymore. Let's try and utilize what we have and make the most out of it. And then kind of that can kind of allow us to have a step back and go, right, let's let's make things in a more sustainable way and maybe less and really value the things that we already own. Um, but it's easy to say when you have a large wardrobe. If you're young or if you don't have a bunch of money that you've bought lots of fashion or you have a lot of fast fashion, it's it's hard and you still need, like we, we talked about with schools before, obviously school uniforms. You have to buy those like year in, year out. That's totally unsustainable and they're made really badly. I would love to see that part of the fashion industry <laughs> kind of revamped. Yeah. yeah. I think that fact about the six countries is crazy. I never knew it would be like multiple countries. I just didn't know it was up to like six. I'm sure there's probably even more. And I think a lot of people don't yeah. know that. I think a key thing within fashion is education. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be like more awareness needs to be spread on that. What we always used to say was that this huge disconnect, like we hosted a supper club when we first started Lonehood because I used to have a restaurant and that's kind of where my sustainability journey started. And you have that much more coherent connection with your food. So you know that, you know, locally sourced, seasonal, organic food is better for you. And that's what you're putting inside of your body. So you're really conscious of it. With clothes, it's just in the shop on your high street. You don't think, oh, that's come from a garment worker in Bangladesh or somebody in China it's like is it cotton is it grown from the from the earth or is it oil and chemical base it's we have this total disconnection because fashion industry is so opaque and we don't necessarily want to know that it's really bad behind the curtain Mm -hmm. (laughs) quite happy to 
to consume yeah. and experience it because it's fun and it's amazing but yeah. actually people don't want to feel bad yeah no I think so many people have got like no idea what fabrics are made out of um and I like I was working in a fashion business and someone else in my team didn't know that cotton and linen were different plants. They thought they, they were like linen was a type of cotton. So therefore they've got no idea that cotton grows in one part of the world and linen grows in another. And yeah. well, of course they don't know that stuff. I, mean, I think a lot of people don't know that polyester is like oil derived and you know, you might have quite strong political opinions about what's going on in the world right now in terms of our use of oil and petroleum but like do you understand that that links to the polyester clothing that you're buying just this last weekend somebody said I was having conversation with a friend and she said something about it being mulberry silk so it's made from a mulberry tree and I, I was like laughing I was like no it's not made from the tree it comes from the bug it's just that they eat the tree and it's like it's weird like silk pillows and stuff because that's yeah. what we're talking about and you know silk pillows being marketed as being mulberry silk and people think that it comes from a plant yeah there's a real lack of basic knowledge about what fibers are never yeah. mind the rest of it I think we tend to think like if you're fashion experts because you know about designers and you know about you can name drop people yeah but it doesn't mean that you actually know anything about fiber or, or clothing manufacture yeah, I think one really interesting thing that links to this whole like holistic idea of like how lonehood works is that like, Lucy, I know that you ran a restaurant for a little bit. I think the cool thing about running a restaurant is that like, you know, essentially when you're cooking and creating the recipes, like, you know, all the ingredients that are going inside. So I feel like you can really see how, like, with Lonehood, you both have, like, come together and, like, sort of brought that kind of thinking to, like, how clothes are produced and shared with people. Because essentially, like, you know, when you're feeding people, you want people to be, be like, secure about the ingredients used and, like, um, what the food does for you. So I think that also really... Um, mediates how fashion should also look similar to like other ways in which we consume anything yeah yeah there's loads there's loads of conversations around around labeling and start to understand some of these things and follow more sustainable brands and that it's maybe an organic cotton or that um it uses like the the kinds of dyes that are non-toxic dyes and things like that there's a lot that could be done in labeling lots that could be done with a good old qr code but people need to kind of like n- understand what that is you know again I, I spoke to someone who was um looking at like starting a leather handbag brand and he didn't know anything about like leather tanning and chromium tanning and I mean yes labeling's really important and there's loads we can do but if people don't understand what you're kind of telling them and um, we're starting with the basics on the app aren't we by letting people yeah. add the material of the garments in the applied process we ask them what what's your garment made out of so it, like they physically have to go and then check their garment and be like oh wow it's polyester I had no idea yeah or oh it's organic cotton amazing um, and then you can search for that as a as a borrower. See so if you're really sustainably minded, you can be like, I only want to wear stuff that's organic cotton. So I'm just going to search for that. So we're starting with those small steps to to educate people and, and make people more aware. And considering it can be loaned to multiple, multiple people, do you find that there's certain materials that will last longer compared, for example, uh, a crop top maybe made out of 
polyester or cotton, whatever, maybe polycotton, and then maybe a tweed jacket. Is it something taken into consideration when people upload? Is it something that you guys try to educate on? That's definitely something we could educate on. And I can tell you just from my personal experience, because I'm ancient now and I've got clothes <laughs> that are like nearly 20 years old, that that's something that makes clothes not last is stretch. Like if there's a last stain or something, if you've got a T-shirt that's like a stretchy vest or T-shirt, mm-hmm. it will like go in the end and you get the little white elasticy bits that kind of stick out. And if you've got just a T-shirt, it will last and last and last until like, eventually like it'll fall apart but there's loads of things you know whether it's got good decent quality seams and the weight of the fabric and things like that but stretch is like I think is built in obsolescence like stretchy jeans are not going to last as long as jeans that don't have elastane in they won't be as the the non-stretch jeans are not as comfortable but they last so long and you don't have to wash them as often because they don't lose their shape so I think that's my um bugbear it's unnecessary stretch because that means that clothes fall apart. We don't have that much data on the app yet, but it's something that we'll definitely be tracking um, and would be able to feed back to you once we know more, for mm-hmm. sure. That would be really interesting, I think. It's been really nice talking to you guys. Um, and I love how you guys are trying to create a more ethical consumer and get people involved in sustainability and clean fashion. It was really nice having you both on the show. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Jen. I'm excited to see you guys. your app in the future yeah it's been our pleasure um we're running a wait list at the moment so get get on the wait list we're running like lots of sustainable prizes like sustainable undies um cool like tickets to events and stuff so the join the wait list via our website and then we'll be launching in the summer so stay tuned Hey guys, and welcome to the reflection section part of the podcast. This is where the Kalecki team all joins together to discuss the day's topic. I'm Alia, and we have Rosie, Armina, and Rihanna with us. What would you say was one of the biggest takeaways from today's discussion? For me, the biggest takeaway was the fact that there's always more to learn. Uh, I would say I know a significant amount about fashion industry and its negative impacts but just learning about the six up to like six countries that your product can be made in um, for fast fashion I think that's absolutely crazy Mm. and I think it just comes to show that there is still a significant amount of education that needs to be done I feel like a lot of people do know that obviously that their clothes are made in other countries and that they're shipped and I don't think they necessarily know the environmental impacts of that Mm. and the ethical impacts but I think there's so much more to still learn and to resolve. I also think it's like quite like interesting to hear about how they started up from like how they think and behave with fashion amongst their own like friendship groups. And like that's how a whole like brand can develop out of like, you know, a little way of like moving with your friends, like, you know, sharing um, fashion and renting out clothes to your friends. Like, I think that's a very, like, smart and interesting way to, like, begin a brand. Yeah, following on from what Rihanna was saying, I think that idea of, like, friendship and community where it all starting, I loved when they were talking about how, like, you're keeping the money within, like, the local area and you're kind of going against the big corporations. And, yeah, just this economic exchange between 
just like people that live near you and it just seemed way more like like you were saying it's this nice kind of almost like friendship swapping idea but just on a greater scale Mm -hmm. it makes it more personal I think I love that you know Jen and Lucy were both saying that the business structure kind of of where they want Lonehood to go is based on the community aspect um Mm -hmm. which I think is is needed with a lot of the big corporations not unless you look at very high-end companies kind of like when you see that they kind of have like that special guest list of who they would give clothes to and type of thing so when it's a smaller company um and you're looking more at people that can afford those everyday items to rent them I think it's really good to have that community aspect and that kind of personalization I liked how they were kind of talking about having that a feed so you, you could get to see different learners and kind of choose your style from there because for me as well especially like kind of looking at maybe Depop or buying clothes it's kind of hard to work out your style so it's nice that they have a more inclusive range and they are trying to cover that aspect with Lonehood I think is really exciting. I was just wondering what you guys thought about like when she said doing sustainable fashion versus buying into it because I know we see and talk to like a lot of brands that are doing new things and creating new garments but I did think it was like really interesting what she was saying about how actually we have six generations worth of like clothing already Mm -hmm. on this planet like that's going to take us hundreds of years yeah like do you guys kind of think that rentals and doing sustainable fashion is the way forward over buying into it 100 percent, it has to be because like if you're not changing the actual ideology of how we navigate like fashion then nothing's really going to be solved and I feel like that's exactly what she means by like you know doing fashion changing our attitudes and like the ways that like we interact with our clothing you know like caring about the sourcing and caring about the afterlife and wanting to share and like thinking about communities and other people like being very human about how we consume fashion like any other thing like I think that's the best way in which we can like essentially save ourselves and save the world yeah I think that's definitely the way we should be going would will we definitely be going there I'm not sure I feel like humans are very selfish and yeah I mean if we look at the earth as it is already it's a terrible state and we're not doing enough and Mm. I think it's a slow process and hopefully Hopefully that is where we're going and hopefully in the future and not too far into the future, it will be all, you know, in the right direction. But right now, I'm not, I'm not so certain. It's hard to say, especially because like, you know, thinking about that statistic existing, like, you know, the fact that there's like six exactly. generations How did worth we get of clothes. There? Yeah. Is that going to change? Like, I agree with you both, but I also think at the same time, renting, obviously, I think picking up on kind of what both Lucy and Jen were saying, I think for me, it would probably be a good way maybe for your major events like she was talking about, prom dresses, wedding attire, things like that. Um, I'm not sure how well maybe it would work on those kind of everyday outfits you're trying to piece together in terms of renting your clothing. But in order for people to rent clothing, people do still have to have wardrobes. So I don't think it's going to completely replace that consumerism. I would hope it would reduce it um, a lot more in the future. But again, kind of what you're saying, that education from young 
educating children like you know when you want to scuff your trousers and stuff like that it's because you know your parents kind of want you to get a longer wear out of your clothing and I think that is a key part of the education and trying to teach people that aspect of just because it gets a hole in it don't feel like you have to get rid of it or you can't wear that love t-shirt or that love pair of jeans um just repair it um and go that way rather than buying a completely new item but I definitely think that renting clothing has a place but I don't think it could replace how we view and how we buy clothes completely when I think about my wardrobe even when because like I feel like unless you've got a lot of money it's really tricky to buy extremely high quality clothing so if I look in my wardrobe stuff that I've had for say like four years because it's made with like poly blends because they're like the cheapest fabric they're already kind of fading and maybe losing their shape a bit so I think it's really difficult because like you were saying I wouldn't have many items maybe to put up online because I wouldn't feel them high enough quality like even for me looking at my wardrobe it's like are these things kind of what we were talking about in terms of trends I know a lot with fashion a lot of time trends do come in and out but I think it's hard as well looking at your own items and thinking is this going to be something somebody wants is it going to be useful um yeah, and is the quality high enough for me to say I'm happy to rent this out to another person? I think that's very true, but you'd be surprised with how many people purchase stained clothing. If you go on Depop, for example, there's people who sell their clothes as vintage stains and they're like massive stains across the T-shirt or like the top and people will buy it. Yeah, they'll call it vintage stains because they're selling vintage clothing and people have no problem buying these things. And they're obvious stains. They're not like small little things here and there. It's like... And yeah, it's I think, interesting like how like fashion trends work. Like, yeah. you know, imagine like a stain like actually becoming Being, fashionable. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's more people than you'd think who'd be happy to buy things that you wouldn't necessarily be happy with. Mm, like rips and stains, like, you know, the whole idea of it. But do you feel like to call them vintage stains, would that would you think that applies maybe more to well-known brands, higher end things? So like maybe your Tommy Hill figures, brands no, like that. No, definitely not. Not not according to Depop anyway. As in as in the non-branded clothing. Okay. Yeah, That's it's just like things that are technically vin- vintage. But the thing is even with making sure things are vintage, there's no, I feel like a lot of sellers don't actually know exactly what they're looking for and they'll name things as vintage if it looks vintage or and people still happily buy it. I mean, I don't think that's morally correct, but um, what I'm trying to say is I don't think it needs to be vintage for people to loan stained clothing and stuff. But obviously, most people, I mean, you wouldn't want to put out stained clothing and stuff, but what I'm trying to say is people are less fussy than you'd think if they're trying to be more sustainable. I understand what you're saying. For some people, the idea of renting clothing is still something to kind of get their heads around. But what I did kind of like as well is their idea of not kind of scorning people that, you know, have items that are from these fast fashion brands, but how you can then take those pieces um, and still rent them out and kind of create an outfit from them 
and use them until they're worn because I feel like as a sole consumer sometimes it's really hard to say okay I've bought this piece and I know for some people it might be really easy to go okay but I bought it for like a fiver so me throwing it away they don't look they don't see it as a money loss but they don't realize how big of a loss it is in terms of being sustainable and where that piece of clothing is going to end up so I think in that sense finding new ways for people to use their clothing especially when they're maybe cheaply made is kind of a good way to get more people involved and participating in ways that they should when it comes to their clothing yeah definitely I thought that linked as well quite nicely to the school uniform kind of stuff and how you're educated when you're younger because I think when I was younger if I broke an item of clothing or ripped it in my mind that was like my my parents would say that they'd have to spend money on new clothes and it was always kind of a monetary loss and I was just never taught that of the environmental impact of clothing and where they came from and the labor actually um needed to produce a garment I don't know if you guys are the same but it felt very like a money loss mm-hmm. over anything else yeah definitely And I think that goes back to that education about fibres. Also, when I was younger, kind of the TV shows, I used to consume like Ugly Betty or like The Devil Wears Prada, like those types of fashion focused films, even Sex and the City. Like to be the idea of being fashionable was to know big brands and big names, but it wasn't to talk about the fibres and where they come from and how these pieces are made. For you guys, when was your first experience kind of learning about fibres and learning about where your clothes are coming from? I'd probably say for me it was when I went to secondary school and like in textiles. You learn about the different fibres and stuff then, but before that I didn't really have any education on it. So, For me, it was kind of starting at Kalechi because... I mean, I had no scope into like the fashion industry before, which is funny because lots of people will look at me and be like, oh, you seem quite fashionable because I dress differently. But like, I feel like actually quite like regretful of that as well, because like I do feel like, you know, the way that you consume before you know about fibres and like, you know, material and the importance of knowing where your material goes and comes from, like, takes a lot away from like how I don't know you feel at peace with yourself because you're not actually contributing to these harmful things in the world and then you see many ways in which you are and yeah I feel like at any point that you you know let yourself gain insight into that is Mm -hmm. good enough like you know even when if you're like 50 80 Mm -hmm. you know Start I feel like somewhere. there's more of a guilt once you're educated. It's like, yeah, it's not very necessarily easy to change or like mm-hmm. for different reasons, including money. But you have that conscience mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, God, I need, I need to change. I need to do something to improve. Yeah. And you feel that guilt. Because it goes back to like what Lucy was saying about being in the industry for like like 16 years and seeing everything that goes on behind the scenes and like knowing how toxic it is and like feeling that she had to make that change. For me, actually, it was similar to you, Rhiannon, kind of the way of, I kind of understood how fast fashion was the basics. Fast fashion is wrong. You should try not to participate in it as much as possible. 
but in terms of like understanding fibers and like I had a basic understanding of knowing my clothes you know come from different countries and different places but maybe that actual process of how fibers can become bad with polyester how it starts from like oil and kind of how that the oil industry then leads into that so that part of my understanding it's not really been until recently but obviously funny enough you know Phoebe who's on our team kind of that first day and I was wearing the pretty little thing could you oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. which Phoebe would like if you ask her today like she still literally will cringe at herself she's like oh my god I can't believe I said it but for me at the same time I didn't feel like it wasn't a bad like interaction it was more of like an educational thing because obviously I know pretty little thing fast fashion is not a great thing but for me like when I probably got the hoodie it was probably because it was like super cheap it's what I could afford at the time being a student and also like I'm not a size zero or smaller size so I never kind of saw myself being able to participate in slow fashion because when I used to see like kind of slow fashion brands it was kind of like smaller sizes and they kind of didn't have that inclusivity so I think for me my understanding of it was a lot slower because I didn't see like there was a space for me to consume in that part of like the fashion industry but yeah like since being at Kalechi for me now like it definitely has given me more of a conscious of what am I buying why am I buying it and how long do I actually need that item for like I have my graduation ceremony coming up and it's like me before Kalechi might have been like mm, I'm just gonna buy like a new dress I might get it like quickly cheaply for the website and wear it whereas now I'm probably thinking okay do I really need to buy a new dress let me look through my wardrobe first if there's something there and then if there's really not really think about that process of what I'm buying and where I'm buying from so it definitely has brought about a change I was the same as Armina. I was more like textiles was my first introduction, probably to how clothing was made. And I remember we actually had quite a lot of um, discussions on how synthetic fibres were made as well. But when I think back, I don't know if it was the same for you, Armina, but it wasn't like synthetic fibres are bad necessarily. It was just part of the education that this is how they're made and they're more prevalent now in fashion. And that was only what, like... I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago. So I think that I, same as you guys, I kind of had to come to it on my own from a sustainable side. A really big thing was finally listening to my family, as in like my grandparents and my mum's quite um, like resourceful minded. And I think when I was younger, I used to cringe so much like, I once ripped my jeans and my nan patched them up for me without me knowing with some old like flowery curtains. And looking back now, they'd probably be quite fashionable. But at the time I was like, why has she done that? Can I not just buy a pair of jeans? But I think kind of when you grow up and you get past that kind of rebellious stage of not listening to your parents, you realise that we need to kind of look to the past and that almost like wartime mindset of reusing and mending and really valuing what we have and yeah it was when I finally started listening to like the older people in my life I think did it really start to sink in Mm -hmm. I think a significant thing actually both of you said sorry um so for example earlier you were saying with the pretty little little thing top 
And then, Rez, you're talking about how, you know, keep clothing. I think when people try and be sustainable, they're like, throw out all their fast fashion clothing and things like that. But that would be the opposite of what you need to be doing. So, for example, Ilya, you could have changed three years ago and be a more sustainable, following clean fashion trends. Um, and keeping that top would be in line with that. And then, obviously, Phoebe seeing that and thinking, oh, God, that's that's terrible. How are you wearing that? But really, you could be making a sustainable choice. Do you know? Do you see what I'm saying? I do still have the hoodie, don't worry. I did not throw it away after that. <laughs> if I was that embarrassed, it probably would have got burnt the same day. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um, and I think with changing as well, that's what a lot of people don't realise is, Okay, just because you want consumed doesn't mean you have to further consume, but it also doesn't mean like you need to hide all traces that it ever happened. Like, cool. So keep them. You can, if they're still in usable like condition, either resell them or rent them out to people, patch them up, or just literally wear them until they fall apart, which honestly, with a pretty little thing, is not that hard. yeah really not um they have like probably a good couple of months shelf life Mm. um but I think it's taking your time with choosing your clothing and I guess sometimes in a way as well when you're a bit older you get to kind of know your sense of style a bit better and kind of watch you Mm -hmm. and I think what with fast fashion as well is some people don't yet know what style really suits them or what is them. So when they just see like a new campaign pop up, they're like, oh, that's the in trend and that's exactly what I need to wear. And that's the outfit I need to wear to appear like I stay up to date. Whereas really like you would probably look a lot better if you kind of went back into your wardrobe and picked out those pieces you really loved and just restyled them in a way rather than just buying something new putting them to the back of the wardrobe to gather dust. Um, that could be something really beautiful about rentals, is especially as they were saying, there's some pieces that are like three pounds. If people could kind of do that exploring of their own style through renting those really cheap items and just trying them on. I mean, that's the same as like delivery costs from ASOS or somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So you never think of that when you like do a bulk order and then return some. So mm-hmm. that, that could be another big benefit, I guess, of rentals. I think it's also a good idea because when you have things at the back of your wardrobe or maybe you've never been able to style it with something, maybe you liked a nice pair of trousers and you couldn't find a top to work with it, loaning clothing would allow you to create new outfits without having to buy a whole outfit, just adjust what you have already. Yeah, I think renting is definitely going to have a very good and I would hope to say stable place in the industry and kind of how consumers, I don't want consumers to look at it as kind of a backup option, but maybe sometimes their first option and buying later. And I think that would be a really good and key change for kind of people to have in their minds that buy after you look, don't buy something. And then when that doesn't work out, then be like, okay, I'm going to look through everything that I have. Hopefully it'll become more affordable as well as it becomes more popular. Because I know a lot of places at the minute are quite expensive because they're starting out and for me anyway it's not really feasible to spend 50 pounds to rent something for a weekend so hopefully 
as you were saying, as more people put it to be their like their go to and their first option, it will become slightly cheaper for the rest of us. I was looking recently for like my graduation outfit. I was like, you know what? Um, I'm trying to be better. So I was like, let me look at a brand that kind of it was um a slow fashion brand, so they make everything um to wear, like to orders. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna have a look. And then it was like it was a similar style dress that I'd seen on pretty little things, but the costing difference was so vast and it was just like, <sighs> like I really can't afford to spend that much right now. Yeah. But it's also like, then you do you also have the conscious mind of, I also don't want to go back to that website and then get the cheaper option because I know the long-term effects aren't cheaper. Yeah. So that battle that you go through. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And we all really hope that you come and join us for the next episode. We've been Kalechi.